This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery. The show that revived by the tonic of a win against Man United is back from Chelsea flu, like Lazarus himself. Yes, indeed. There'll be no messing about from your Uncle Chidge today, because I'm, I'm on drugs. Uh, the non-recreational kind, <laughs> I hasten to add. Uh, mainly, mainly day nurse at the moment, but there you go. Right, back, uh, to, 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 the, to the main event of the evening. Chelsea doesn't do boring. Chelsea doesn't do consistency. No. If Chelsea specialises in one thing, it is, with apologies to Marco, glorious unpredictability. <laughs> Many of us were filled with doom and gloom before Sunday's match with Man United, predicting, nay, expecting the worse. We should have known better. Chelsea throughout history has always flattered to deceive and deceived to flatter. That's what we do. And lo and behold, Chelsea dispatched the Manx back round the corner from whence they came. In truth, Chelsea were much more dominant than the 1-0 scoreline suggested. But can our success be attributed to a change to 3-5-2, which undoubtedly bolstered our midfield, or is it simply down to the return of the imperious and irreplaceable N'Golo Kante? I am Stamford Chidge, of course, and the name of tonight's show is, uh, with apologies to uh, both Walter Otten, who nicked it off Henry Winter, in fact, but there you go, Aroma Therapy, the Chelsea Fancast, 403. How about those apples? Right. Now, I've got some great people with me tonight. Um, in fact, it uh, you know, the way that it works out on this show sometimes, it's quite serendipitous, the people that we get on the show at the nick of the right time. And uh, tonight is no exception, and you all know why, of course, because of the news that broke today. But before we get into that, I have the ever ebullient Mr. Jonathan Kidd in the house well, tonight. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I'm feeling very ebullient and even effervescent in, Good. Uh, in my reaction. Thank you to... Uh, to um, to the game on Sunday, and uh, it annoys me, as I've said before, how uh, my mood is so uplifted by us winning and um, 
specifically playing so well again, particularly against United. But uh, but it, so it's therefore a joy to be on the show. It's always a joy to be on the show, but it's specifically Indeed. tonight with such eminent company as always. So thank you. Well, you know, I was saying before we went on air, J.K. I mean, Mar- I saw Marco, uh, you know, at the stall as always before the match, and I, I really did feel like death, as he will have testified to. Um, but I was also saying that the minute I got down the pub, had a couple of Guinnesses and met all the lads, uh, I, 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 you know, made a remarkable cover, recovery and felt quite well. But I mean, when I saw Marco yesterday, I was actually not going to do the show. I felt that shit. So, uh, so thank you, Chelsea, for making me feel better. Uh, and two lads who are going to make me feel even more better are uh, the. Well, I called you actually in the in the blog about the show, the Batman and Robin of ESPN's Chelsea coverage. <laughs> there we go. Which is which? And, uh, which is which? Yeah, well, I, don't, I, th- I don't like that. It implies some sort of hierarchy. Well, I'm sorry, Liam, but I'm going to go age before beauty. How about that? <laughs> Liam's it, far it... more sensible than I am. Well, I know this is true. This is very true. But Marco, as always, lovely to have my old mucker uh, on the show. Who, of course, I I saw last Wednesday at the <laughs> Alan Hudson do, which is great fun, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Good to see you, mate. I'm glad you're feeling better because. Uh... I thought you were going to fail a late fitness test. Nah, no, 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 no. You know me, I'd play with one leg, you know what I'm like. Uh, so there ah, you go. Now, good to have you on the show, as always, Marco. Uh, now, we've also got uh, a man that I'm, I, I always love, love having Liam on the show because, uh, I mean, Marco said he's, he's more sensible than us. That's, that's absolutely true. But the great thing about Liam is he's a good journalist and uh, he knows his onions. And, of course, he's, uh, he's very close to what goes on, uh, having access to all the press conferences. So... As I said, a very uh, auspicious night to be on, isn't it, Liam, with all the news that was breaking today? No doubt you'll have more to tell us about that later. Yeah, I was, uh, I was on the verge of a quiet afternoon, Chidge, and then, uh, and then this all broke. Um, so, yeah, busy, 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 and uh, never a dull day at Chelsea. Indeed. Well, where you know, Chelsea wouldn't be Chelsea if, if, it, if it was... I mean, it's actually really interesting, funny enough, because I, I was speaking to somebody, I think it was maybe after the match... I can't remember, and and they were, that's right, they were going, oh, blimey, can't believe it, you know, we're crap one week, and I said, mate, we've been like this forever, this is such a Chelsea thing to do, it's not true, I mean, not just beating United yesterday, having been so crap against Roma, but I think the whole season's been almost classically Chelsea, but anyway, no doubt, more of that anon, uh, let's get on with the uh, the menu for this evening, which is, on the show tonight, we're going to be asking, is 352 the new 343 and will it be seen as crucial as the formation change was last season in part 2 we're going to ask is kante irreplaceable what's the future for david luiz and can chelsea survive the international break and find some consistency going forward who can tell uh, in part 3 but um here we go here's the big news that was announced today we're going to discuss the implications of technical director michael emanalo's departure which was announced today uh, in fact, this afternoon, as, as Liam was saying, uh, does it exemplify the unrest behind the scenes at Chelsea? And does it mean that Conte's power has increased or diminished? And what on earth did Emanalo do anyway? No doubt we will have the answers. Now, in part four, very sad to announce. You need, you, you need people out there who listen to this podcast need to give yourselves a collective spanking, not in a good way, because there are no emails for Jonathan <laughs> to read this week. You know, this rate, he's going to be asking me for severance pay, for Christ's sake. So sort it out, people. 
I mean, it was very good last week. I mean, it has to be said, we had probably three of the best emails, emails we've ever had last week. But that's no excuse for you not to send any in. So have a hard look at yourselves in the mirror. Or like David Louise, you'll be consigned to the stands, let alone the bench. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, uh, luckily, we've got lots and lots of uh, Chelsea supporter news, uh, as we always do, to go through, uh, including news about Mark Worrell's latest book, which is out soon, all about Chelsea's terrorist chants. Uh, so Mark can tell us all about that. So there you go. That's about it, really. Uh, don't forget... As always, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. And of course, if you do that, you can join in all of the chat on the uh, the chat page, for want of a better word. Uh, there's loads of people in there already. Uh, my lovely uh, Paul Crowder says, buongiorno tutti. And the same to you. Marco will probably have a more Italian response to that. <laughs> silence that's what's called cosa nostra uh, anyway that's a good joke that you should have ciao laughed bella. Anyway. ciao bella <laughs> great to have paul in the house uh we're going to get paul on the show soon if i can figure it out his people are talking to my people uh if she don't comes in there cfc mode is in oh buona sera e tifosi i like that i like that uh, Bonnie Rig Blues has asked, does, the, does this mean that the show will be shorter, Chidge? What do you think? <laughs> we fit to fill. You know we do. Brian CFC, Andy Silverman, Benji Toe, lovely Nicky called Duff, and of course our main man, uh, our main, our, one of our main writers for the uh, Fancast website, Blue Up North, is in the house too, plus many, many others, including the esteemable uh, Mark Barfoot and uh, Bob Uzre and Harsh Ratton. Lots of people. Too many to uh, mention by name, but uh, it's nice to see you all in there, as it always is. Uh, now, after this short break, we will be back to talk Chelsea. Well, there we go. I mean, there was lots of, uh, I'll be honest, actually, Jonathan can, uh, can, can validate this, but there were rumours kicking around well before kickoff, uh, largely from the blue squirrel, uh, that Louise uh, was going to be benched. Uh, but what was less clear uh, was that we were going to line up 3-5-2. Although I have to be honest, uh, young Hion Carbis, he who edits the Chelsea Fancast website, put out a blog saying, should we play 3-5-2 or 3-4-3? And he must have known something because he got it absolutely bang on. Um, you know, for me, I think it was the key really to the match and perhaps something that we've been crying out for for weeks, really. But, you know, Marco, I'll kick off with you. I thought we really bossed the midfield yesterday. Uh, and, and actually, the corollary of that is that we weren't overrun in midfield, which has been, I think, the, the reason for our demise recently, would you say? Yeah, I mean, obviously... <clears throat> The anchor man's back, isn't he? So uh, I think that had quite a bit to do with it. Although I, I, I thought um, I really enjoyed uh, Bakayoko's role as the sort of marching mad steroidal marionette. He was all <laughs> over the place, wasn't he? Um, he was. With the, yeah. with the dodgy shot, the marionette with the dodgy shot. Well, yeah, I mean, if, you know, if he, if, I think he, he's just over-enthusiastic, isn't he? He... 
he was a bit measured in his approach on goal. Uh, he could have had a couple of goals yesterday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no, I, I, I quite like the um, the stretch that we put on uh, United with the midfield that we had yesterday. Um, but they were rubbish, weren't they? United. Let's, oh, let's terrible. Let's uh, be honest about it. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, Jonathan? Because, you know, there was a lot of, well, I say there was a lot of debate. I mean, I, I, I you know, was wondering it myself. You know, were United going to do what we expect Jose to do, which is to park the bus? And I felt that, you know, he'd be stupid to do that. And actually, if he had any sense, he'd, he'd do what was not expected, and that was to have a real go at us. Because I thought that we were really there for the taking. But the reality is... He was kind of caught between, you know, a rock and a hard place. He didn't really do either, did he? I mean, they were. Well, I mean, they were basically I, I, bossed in midfield, and I think that's what we screwed were so it for good. Him. We were so good that they were just pressed back all the time. I mean, yeah. Lukaku looked like a. Um, well, know, he looked a like the Lukaku we know. Exactly, man out of his depth, the man that we've yeah. been uh, the flat track bully who uh, doesn't perform against proper teams, and. Uh, I was very pleased because it made you realise how fantastic Morata is. Bloody hell, he was good yesterday. What a great player. And yes. I don't think he's been fully fit recently as well. But it was so helpful. As, as, as Marco said, once Kante's back in the side, it all just flows, doesn't it? I mean, I'm intrigued as to, as to whether or not it really is 3-5-2 because then you're still playing with the one-up. I don't know what permutation it would be. It just means that the midfield is Kante and then you've got... Um, and it frees Bakayoko to play further up. That was Bakayoko's best game for me, without a shadow of a doubt. Who's, uh, he was top banana there um, today and uh, yesterday. And uh, mm. and then you've got Fabregas playing out of his skin because he's not having to do all these bloody tackling because Kante does well, it for him. So absolutely, um, absolutely spot on, mate. You know because you know. Let's be fair. I mean, on the one hand. You know, Fabregas has been dog shit recently, but I think we've we've been fair actually, and we've said it. Well, of course he has been because he's not a defensive midfielder, and yeah, if he's trying yeah. to play in that position. You know, he's going to look dog shit, and you're not going to get the best out of him. And we've been saying for weeks. Well, I've been saying he needs to play higher up. I mean, I actually thought you know perhaps Hazard and and Fabregas behind Morata, you know, kind of playing with the two number tens behind Morata. But I think actually, you know, this is why An- Antonio Conte sadly is Chelsea's manager and not Chidge. Uh, I think he's got it nailed because if you play with if you play with three in midfield, you've got Kante obviously balancing the whole bloody team, which is fantastic. Yes. Um, but you've got you've got Fabregas with license to go forward, knowing he's going to be covered, and that's where he does damage. And boy, I thought he was I thought you know I thought he was almost. I mean, there were so many candidates for man of the match, but I think Fabregas was up there. Yeah, I agree completely. I thought it, but I thought it was a terrific performance from everybody. It's very interesting. Just down below me, Mourinho gave up. And just sat down for the for, for the most part. Yeah, which I thought was really telling because he realised they were being completely outplayed, and they were. The dilemma was I felt in the last ten minutes we we shouldn't have just subbed everybody because we did that thing of it became almost Wimbledon against somebody. You know, it was let's boot the ball down the pitch to Fellaini and see who he can foul on the way, but and the referee won't notice it, so he just gets some kind of flick on, and then they have a shot. And, and we then became, went into defensive mode. That was the only time United showed any any kind of uh, um, uh, supremacy over us, any, any time of competence, I felt. I felt we were completely all over them. It was a joy to behold. And Mourinho didn't have an answer. He just brought on more and more substitutes, and the same thing happened all the time. So uh, and, that, and that idiot Fellaini, who, who basically just bullies his way through everything. But he was a threat, he, though. He was a threat. He was. 
is a threat. But you, all you do then is you have to boot the ball up the pitch. You know, that's a, as I say, it's Wimbledon. It's just in fashion mm. looking for a mm. knockdown. You know, yeah. but no, I, 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 I thought it was a phenomenal performance. By the way, if if they're Batman and Robin, can I be Bat Batmite? No, you can be the Joker. No, but no, that I'd have to put on stupid makeup then. Or the Riddler. Oh, I like that. The Riddler's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're good, I'm surprised yeah. you didn't go for for Catwoman, actually, Jonathan. I, oh, I, I know you've got a punch on for those slinky leather cat suits. Yeah, and I've also got I've got a, a, a decent pair of uh, of gym tits as well. So that would have work. you really? Okay, yeah, you must yeah. wear them next time you're in the East Middle. I'm sure. They'll I will. I'll, br- I'll, I'll, br- I'll bring them along so you can all have a look. Yeah. Excellent. Now, listen. We need we need Liam's brains on this because we we we've, we've been rattling yes. off and uh, and haven't brought him in. But uh, I think I think kind of the reverse question first, really, because there's a couple of things I really want to talk about. One is Morata and Hazard linking up so well. The other is perhaps we have a new spine. But I'm going to ask the last question first, Liam, because you, you might have had a. It'd be interesting to hear what you were hearing in the press box. But you know, we all know that when he changed to three four three last year because of the problems that we were having. Um, you know, suddenly the season took off, and 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 we all know what happened. And we've been really struggling this season. And again, we were on we were on the wrong end of a pretty hefty, embarrassing defeat against Roma last week. And lo and behold, he's changed the system this time to three five two. Do you think you know? Do you think it might have the same impact as last season? Do you think he'll stick at it? Is this where we're going to go going forward? Because it looked good to me. Well, I I don't think it's um, I don't think it's a permanent change like the three four three was last season. Um, purely because he's played three five two before. Actually, this was nine of the same True, starters yeah. that played against Atletico away, which I think was the best performance of the season. So and Tottenham, of he, course. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, and Conte spoke after the game about um, the fact that. You know, people coming back from injury, one of the main benefits is that he's now able to play three central midfielders. He hasn't had the bodies to do it so far this season. And um, I don't think he wants to do it every week because against teams that will sit back and that Chelsea are superior to anyway, I think you want the third attacker. You want Pedro. You want you want Willian just to exert that little bit more pressure on the opposition. But in a game like the United one, particularly the way Chelsea have been playing recently and the, and the way the Roma game panned out, uh, as you as you as you all rightly said about the danger of getting overrun in midfield, I think it was the logical choice. And what was interesting, what was very similar to the Atletico game, actually, if you remember the Atletico game, Kante made an awful lot of attacking runs. He broke the mm. midfield line a lot, and it really surprised Atletico, and it, and it enabled Chelsea to get a foothold against United. It was Bakayoko, and it really surprised Mourinho, I think. Um, he wasn't expecting that because Bakayoko has been one of the deeper lying players every time he's played for Chelsea. So, you know, we're always talking about Mourinho master strokes whenever he does something unexpected. I think it's fair to give Conte credit for that one. Um, and, and and I think you're, you're totally right. Chelsea won the game in midfield. You know, F- Fabregas and Hazard were absolutely superb. And I was actually astonished, given the way United... Uh, treated Hazard last season with the man marking um, of Herrera, particularly Old Trafford. I was astonished they didn't try that again. And I, I actually do think that maybe Mourinho has been affected by all the talk of United being negative in big away games. And I think maybe he was. He, he tried to go outside of his pragmatic comfort zone because they did they did press high in the first 15 minutes and it, and it created a, a surprisingly open game early on. Um, but it felt like as soon as Chelsea showed that they could beat the United press and create some 
create some good chances. United got really passive and didn't didn't really know what they were what they were supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden, Chelsea just seemed to have so much space. Fabregas was picking passes left and right. Hazard was tormenting the defence and. I mean, it should have been well over by the time Fellaini came mm. on. Uh, that was Absolutely. the only time. That was the only time United carried a threat, and I couldn't really understand. It's it's like a psychological thing with teams where they know it's the last five minutes, so they sit back, even though there's no logical reason to sit back. And what got them into that position was the exact opposite. The only reason why United had any success with Fellaini was because Chelsea started dropping deep, and. Um, but yeah, in the end, you know, one nil was a little bit of a travesty, to be honest, because uh, Chelsea battered United for for well over an hour in, in that game, and it was exactly the response that that Conte had been looking for after Roma. Mm. Well, I I concur with all of that, I, I, and I think that uh, I, I you know what I mean from my understanding of what Conte was like at Juventus, he he would often change formations during games, let alone you know uh, depending on who he was playing. So. If he's got the players, then he he will he will show that flexibility. But I just I just think that we look stronger. I mean, and I agree also, Liam. You know, if you're going to play, we've looked worse uh, against the weaker against the stronger team, should I say? You know, City absolutely trounced us. Uh, Roma, who again have a very strong midfield, trounced us. So I think when you are playing a, a decent team, you need you need that extra strength in midfield. And I agree, you need more. More, more creative players, more forward players against the weaker teams who are just going to sit back and park the bus. I get all that. But what I really liked about uh, the, the game on uh, Sunday and the way that we set up is we just looked so much more balanced. And, you know, it, it, in a sense that, that you could say that like a, like a new kind of spine. I mean, you know, we always used to have the traditional spine goalkeeper, central defender, central midfielder, centre forward. Well, I think it's even even more interesting with this because of the way they were set up. So you've got Courtois, Christensen, Kante, Fabregas and Hazard. If you have a, and Morata, of course, and you have a spine like that, I think that's quite... It's, it's a lot better than the invertebrates that we saw against Roma, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, I mean, Kante in particular, Chelsea look a, a totally different team. Um, with him in and him not in, there's not even there's no one in the squad that can even do a passable impression of what he well, can do. And I and I felt his uh, I felt his energy was actually infectious because Fabregas has looked exhausted in recent weeks in in a two man midfield. But he yeah. that was his most energetic performance for for a long time. And and Bakayoko, who's supposedly been playing the last few games with knee pain, you know, he, he didn't have any yeah. trouble getting around the pitch, although his, his finishing could do, do with some work. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've segued that brilliantly, uh, Liam, because uh, after the break, we're going to actually ask, is Kante <laughs> irreplaceable? Uh, as well as, of course, asking what the future is for David Luiz, who was uh, sent on the naughty step uh, yesterday, clearly. And uh, of course, can Chelsea survive the international break and find some consistency going forward? We will be back in a second. Only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and we've raced through part one tonight, uh, extolling a wonderful performance by the Chels. 
Uh, and it's now time for part two, where we're going to be talking more interesting stuff, no doubt. We've got the lovely Jonathan Kidd with us, as always. Ooh-hoo-hoo. We have the uh, the wonderful Mark Worrell, one of my favourite Chelsea peeps. LA Mark. Buonasera, mi amico. And we have the, oh, absolutely, you too, mate. And uh, we have the uh, the rising star of Chelsea-oriented journalists, i.e. Mr. Liam Toomey from ESPN. As always, Liam, you are welcome. That's very kind. Thank you very much. Well, I, I, I love your work. You know I do. I wouldn't say <laughs> it if I didn't mean it. Um, now, Liam, as uh, as you probably heard in part one, was uh, was talking about how wonderful um, uh, uh, N'Golo Kante is. And I thought, we, we, you know, good God, you don't half uh, miss him when he's not there, which I think is half, uh, you know, being half the problem. I think it's really interesting, isn't it? There's a lot of conjecture, Jonathan, about whether, you know, was it we were talking very much about the formation in part one, you know, was it down to that or was it just down simply to Kante being back? I think it's really hard to determine which. But one thing that is without doubt, I think, um, you know, Hazard may be our best player, but uh N'Golo Kante is definitely our most important player and he just brings so much balance and energy to the side, doesn't he? He does, but I think you mustn't forget as well that he played Dave in the back three, which uh he has to do because Dave is phenomenal in the back three if you put Dave on wing back he still puts in a a shift but he's not the same player and I know he he kept shouting at Zappa Costa during the game because he clearly didn't like what he was doing but he is a a proper wing back what I love about and also the other thing to remember which we haven't mentioned is that when we play with Kante and we start playing well Alonso is brought into the game and uh, I thought he was excellent and he got his usual fantastic crosses in. And I found that when Kante isn't playing and we're having to, to deal with not being very good, essentially, he, he he's playing proper fullback, Alonso, and he never gets forward. So it allows the, the Kante just allows the whole machine to purr. And, uh, and and Alonso then is in that position where he causes great damage. And, you know, and, and he has that ability. And I, th- I thought he was uh, he was excellent as well on, on Sunday. And I like it when he's excellent because it, to me it means the team is playing properly and is playing well. And he just skims the ball occasionally, which Morata was slightly more on the pace with it because he knows where the ball's going to be coming in. But uh, no, it, 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 um, it just balances everything absolutely perfectly having Kante there. And he's even not 100% fit, as, uh, you know, as wow. we've said. He's, he's worried about being slightly still hamstrung. You don't want him tearing something again because... It makes you realise that there isn't anybody else in the in the squad who can, uh, as, as as Liam said, you can duplicate his his brilliance because he uh, uh, he just holds everything together. He's, he's he does he does indeed. I mean, Liam, Liam was in the presser actually. I think did you because I I know you tweeted that out, Liam. Um, did you get a ch- did did Kante say anything afterwards? Because I remember you tweeting he wasn't one hundred percent fit, and you wrote an article about it or something. Oh, yeah, that was actually today. Um, basically, after the game, Kante spoke to a French broadcaster. Um, so we got, the, we got the quotes through right. this morning um, where he was saying that he, he still doesn't feel 100%. It was, it was him explaining why he's not going on international duty with France, which ah, will, will, no doubt be, uh, will no doubt be very good news to all Chelsea fans. Um, so he's got, two yeah. weeks to, he's got two weeks now to basically... Wrap that, wrap that yeah. hamstring in, in cotton wool, and uh, make sure he's ready for the run of games in next month. Um, so yeah, I think Chelsea were 
were always going to be reluctant to let him let him out after he missed all the all the October games. So there's probably been some agreement reached between Chelsea and France. And given that Kante was reluctant to even play against Roma, I'm guessing he he wasn't too keen to to take the risk either. Well, give, given what he brings to the side, that's completely understandable, and he needs to be wrapped in cotton wool. But Marco, just picking up from what Jonathan said, and 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 I think, you know. We know this already, but it was it was so so borne out yesterday. I mean, he's absolutely the fulcrum of the side, isn't he? I mean, he shields the defence, he wins the ball in midfield, but I think more importantly, it's not just his defensive shielding, which of course we're we're all very quick to applaud him on. I think it's the fact that he does allow the attackers to attack because they know that if they lose the ball or get out of position, he'll dig them out of the shit. And I mean, I think Jonathan's right. It allows the wing backs to play as well. I mean, it's it's. Phenomenal, really. I mean, if you look back to the problems that we've had when he's been absent, and you've kind of had two players, um, various, various, various permutations of a back three, which you know Conte really couldn't find um, any kind of solution to uh, one player. So, didn't matter which three permed at the uh, at the back, who played out wide or who, who he played in in that sort of double pivot, whatever you want to call it, um, midfield, defensive midfield uh, set of positions. None of it, none of it um, could uh, replace N'Golo. Um, it's, it's, it's worrying, actually. I, I think uh, yeah. Kelvin on Twitter yesterday uh, made the point that. Um, He's he's irreplaceable, but that which is you know you kind of don't want anything to happen to him again. But it's a nice position to have to have a player like that in your side. Um, don't know why. I don't know what the story was behind his injury because he's not he's not a player that gets injured, is he? Um, so to pick up a hamstring strain, you sort of worry about stuff like that in respect of um, you know what's going on. Uh, in, in training and stuff like that, especially with Morata pulling up. We've had a few hamstring problems, so but fingers crossed he stays fit for the remainder of the season now. Yeah. And absolutely. that twenty seven that twenty seven to one bet that I managed to get on <laughs> just as Roma scored their third goal goal the other night <laughs> could be could be a wonderful investment. Hang on, what's twenty seven to one to win the Champions League, right? Hmm. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm su- right now I'm surprised that they're that short, actually, but there you go. Um, listen, there's, there's another big story, really, from the weekend, which I alluded to earlier on, and, you know, Jonathan and I were informed by the Blue Squirrel that uh, Louise had been uh, cast asunder somewhat, and, I mean, Liam will probably know a little bit more about this than all of us, but I think that the rumour going round was that he was... Uh, you know, well, uh, here's the thing, Liam. I'll ask you the question, really. You know, is he is he paying the price for questioning uh, Conte, or or is it simply poor form or tactics, as the as Conte suggested? I think it can be both, um, which sounds like a cop out, but I, it, it it really isn't. I think um, if you remember, Conte said last season, and this was well before the Diego Costa mess blew up, that he'd rather kill. A player than have a player that wasn't committed um, and he's shown that time and again it doesn't matter how big the name is if anyone 
questions his authority as Louise is reported to have done in in the in the team meeting after the Roma game um to criticize his tactics and I mean you, you saw in the Roma game at home that he was he was visibly angry to be subbed um by by content I didn't think he had much of a case to be angry at the time actually he was he was playing like bad Louise rather than good Louise at that point um but he, yeah, I, th- I think he is paying the price. I think, um, but he has also been in bad form. And, and if you look at it on merit, there are there are plenty of Chelsea fans you will talk to who have been actively campaigning for Andreas Christensen to get a run in this team. Um, and it's not without justification because he he was excellent again against United. He do, he doesn't get phased. He, he he. There were a couple of times where two or three players were trying to press him, and Chelsea were committed to playing out from the back. And he made the right decision every time. Um, I think he's a he's a really exciting prospect, and and for a guy who didn't go into this season as a starter with a coach like Conte, who's not famed for rotation, he started Chelsea's three most important Premier League games away at Spurs, home against City, and and at home against United. So he's already being leaned on heavily, and he's he's proving up to the challenge. And that that in in many ways actually is an even bigger problem for Louise because I think the clash of personalities, anything that's happened between Louise and Conte, I think can be overcome. And, and the international break will probably help with that. Louise, Louise isn't away with Brazil. They'll both be at Cobham together. Um, so I'm sure they can straighten things out. But the bigger problem Louise has now is that does he get back into that team with the way Christensen's playing? Well, that is a very good question and one that I will ask later on to see what the boys think. But the first thing I'm going to ask Jonathan is that I, I wrote an article today. I did my, my you know, post-match Yahoo number. I don't know whether it's gone up yet or not. Um, I mean, I sent it earlier than I normally do, so I bloody well hope so. But it was basically on the theme. In fact, it was, I mean, I, I t- just for those of you who are out there who, who um, are daft enough to read the nonsense that I write... And I have noticed on Twitter that a lot of you get uh, very aerated about the, uh, the the headlines that uh, uh, that are put on there. I don't write those. As any journalist, not that I'm calling myself a journalist, but any journalist will tell you is that they don't write the headlines. Uh, my headline for this was Roundheads versus Cavaliers. Uh, the point being that, um, you know, there is no doubt he actually bloody looks like one. Uh, you know, Louise is a Cavalier. Uh, nonchalantly reckless is the definition of a cavalier if you want to go and look it up on the wonderful tomb that is Wikipedia um, but you know he is that kind of a player he thinks for himself he, 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 he's instinctive he's got flair and all the rest of it but um, from everything that we understand about uh, Antonio Conte Jonathan you know this is a man that um, absolutely details every inch of what a player is supposed to do on the pitch that's what he does that is his mo and you know jonathan sits in the east middle so he's got a great view of of uh, of conte directing traffic but of course in order for that to work the players have got to buy into it and they've got to heed his instructions to the letter so one can see that a player like louise who just doesn't take instructions and will do his own thing is going to clash with conte can't you in a sense well, I, I think he has been taking instructions and I think he's been uh, fantastic for us as a consequence. And I think it's something else taking place, actually. Um, and the rumour going round before the, the match was that uh, it's the Brazilian thing and that William is part of it. 
Oh, and tell me more. Yes. Are you blue? Me... Are you blue squirrel, Jonathan? No, I'm. Blue, I'm blue cheese. Okay, fair enough. I wish yes, I hadn't yeah, asked. But... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm very, very veiny. Lots of veins on me. And um, smelly. Very smelly. Oh my god. We're going down. Dreadful. Um, <laughs> bad as limes. World. Do you remember that cheese? They got. I don't I think do. they make it anymore. Did you um, do the? Did you do the voiceover for that? No, I just used to buy it quite regularly. I quite liked it. Right. I, I don't eat cheese anymore. I don't do. Anyway, I, I digress. Yeah, uh, the rumour was, which part of it, of course, was bollocks, <laughs> was that Ancelotti was there and was about to take over. That was the Duncan Castle's view, if you remember. Oh. But he was that was the rumour going around as well. But the reason for William, I had a wonderful conversation with somebody. I do love some Chelsea fans. And I said, uh, I said, William's not playing very well, is he? He said, I won't have anything said against William. He was he dug us out when we were dreadful. I said, yeah, but he's not actually playing terribly well. No, I won't have anything said against him. All right, all right, all right, forget about that. And then another bloke said to me, he's still getting over. In fact, it was a waiter in the restaurant, said um, he's still getting over his mum. Oh, OK, that was a year ago. All right, so we've got to somehow forgive that. I'm sorry, we're looking at, you know, what's happening on the pitch at the time. We We can't get involved in people's emotional problems. But the other theory was, was that... They're still resenting the whole Costa thing. And it's this that boiled over. And it's the Brazilian thing. And William has been completely uh, phased by not phased. He says Costa's his mate and hasn't wanted to play ever since. And this is why, if you notice, he's not he's not starting and he's not making much of an effort. He, when he came on in the United game, he still didn't make much of an effort. He just didn't look good. He just runs around. He's just putting in... You know, he's he's putting in a oh, shift. Not a good shift. chance for Morata at the end, didn't he? Or did I dream that? He did what? No. Sorry, what? Oh, he created a pretty good chance that... Yeah, yeah, all right. Chance that right. Morata... Yeah, that he did that, oh. but that because it was pretty difficult not to, because he was put, put wasn't he, that United were attacking, he got given the ball and he just passed it through. But other, other than that, I wasn't terribly impressed with him. I don't think he's... I don't think he's... Uh, uh, he's, he's particularly bothering. I mean, let's be honest. Has he come on every time, and uh, and we've thought, yeah, this is the William of old. We're not seeing that at all. We're not seeing that with him. Anyway, this was the theory that was going round that it was a a Brazilian thing, and that the uh, the club and that uh, Luis was was the ringleader, and um, uh, was then going to uh, um, uh, and was going to depose Conte as a consequence of this. And that we would be saying it was all based on the result of the game. And of course, you look at it, you can think it's a load of bollocks. I mean, let's possibly think it's a load of bollocks. But uh, well, um, I'll tell you what, Liam's probably a bit closer to it because he's in the presses. He might get a sense for this. Is, is there any is there any truth in in Jonathan's uh, you know aspersions? Well, I can't I can't speak to uh, the conspiracy theory element, but I, I do know that <laughs> I, I do know that Costa was you know hugely popular particularly with the other brazilian players i mean he was always hanging around with kennedy with louise and with and with william i mean at one point i thought last season that kennedy was being kept around just to keep costa company um in the second half of the season because he wasn't getting near the team uh i, I mean he's a huge personality and so is louise which is why this is kind of this incident is dangerous for for all parties because Conte was taking a huge risk um, on Sunday by by leaving out Louise. He's he's popular not just with the other players, but he's also popular with Abramovich. Yeah. Um, and if you know that hasn't really worked out well for previous Chelsea managers, leaving out players that are very highly regarded 
and mm. and with good reason. I mean, Louise has done great things at Chelsea, but it he's not really an enemy Conte needs. Um, so it it worked on Sunday, but in the long term, it's it's in everyone's interest, I think, to mm. well, that, to, yeah, to, to mean, bury this. I mean, it, sorry, just to say, it's also no, in on, Louise's. It's also interest in Louise's interest to to bury this because, as we've seen with the way Christensen's playing, his his place is actually less secure than maybe he thought going into this season. He's already not in the Brazil squad. He's thirty, um, yeah. so he wants to be playing for an elite team, starting every week, challenging for trophies. And Chelsea gave him a chance when to bring him back from PSG when a lot of other people were doubting him. So I think it's in it, it's in everyone's interest to to sort this out one way or another. But there, there are high stakes for everyone involved. When When's his contract up, Liam? Do you know? Oh, uh, put me on the spot there. He, he he came back 2016 and signed, I believe, a th- maybe a three-year deal. Um, right. So I think it might be 2019. So he might have he might have about 18 months left. So he's he's probably going to be looking to to for a contract extension at the end of this season. And given that the fact that he's 30, we know that the club only give the plus 30s a one year extension or a one year contract. So it'll be very interesting to see what goes on with that, particularly if Christensen, you know, is the player that he looks like being, Marco. Oh, yeah. I've been firmly in the camp, uh, championing the, the case of uh, Christensen since um, since before he returned from his uh, loan spell. So I was, I was sort of keenly watching how he was getting on for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, I, I, I just think that the, the, the kid plays with a maturity way beyond his 21 years. Um, you know, you sort of... I mean, I, I kind of remember John Terry when he sort of broke in yeah. to, to the first team. Um, and they're, they're different players. Um, and Christiansen on the ball, he's just so composed. He reads the, he reads the game really well. Um, you know, you look back at some of the passes, not, not so much yesterday against United, but um, previously when he started games, um, you know, he, he's got an eye for a, you know, a, a ball over the top of the defence, um, and he can play the ball out. I, I, I just think, you know, I, I love Louise, um, but you know, every, every dog has his day, as uh, as John Terry found out. And I, I just think Chelsea look a far more assured unit um, with Christensen in that, you know, that role. In, in the middle of the defence, provided, you know, with, with Kante there in front of it. Um, you know, time and again in recent weeks, you know, Louise has kind of, instead of doing the job he's meant to do, has gone tearing in, you know, for, t- for tackles. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just think Christensen is a better player and I think he, he will be... You know, I know we've got a fairly hectic schedule coming up, but I can see him keeping his place for Premier League games. Um, as fingers crossed, he comes through the international break. Uh, aren't they? Uh, Denmark are in the playoffs, aren't they? They are. Yeah, they are. I don't know. Who, does anybody know who they've got? Liam. I always turn to Liam in moments of desperation like this. Um, is it Ireland? Could well be, actually. 
I think it might uh, be hope, Republic of Ireland. Let's hope the paddies don't kick him. Nikki, sort your Nikki Kilduff, who is in Mixer at the moment, to sort your countrymen out to avoid to avoid kicking Andrews Chris. Actually, that's another great segue. Actually, because talking of kicking, I, I did want to talk about uh, Eden Hazard, who I thought, you know, bless his heart. We we often. You know, I mean, we all love him and we don't really dig him out. But if we ever have a criticism of him, it's that, you know, he does need to step up in the big matches and take them by the scruff of the neck. That's what we expect of our best player. And I and I really do think he did that yesterday against United. I thought he was superb. He, he terrorised them all game. But uh, as always, of course, uh, he was kicked to pieces in the second half, clearly under instruction because it was, it was Herrera horrible snidey little shit that player I really you know some players just really want to make you punch them in the face Herrera is that kind of a player clearly there's no point in punching Phil Jones in the face because you couldn't make it look any worse than it already is Um, but those two were those two were clearly taking it in turns to to to, you know to hack uh, Hazard and that's what they did and Jonathan you're our resident referee Uh, he got absolutely diddly squat protection right Absolutely. That, that foul by Jones at the beginning of the second half yeah. was so obviously Mourinho had said, just kick him at the beginning. And I thought, yeah. Yeah, in those instances, I think a yellow card is, uh, is, uh, isn't the proper punishment. If somebody deliberately kicks somebody up in the air, it's really serious foul play. And I'd, I'd have sent him off. I'd, I'd have probably been uh, demoted for doing so. But, um, uh, and... Um, and her, yeah, Herrera's just sort of snidey. But yeah, they 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 target, don't they? And uh, um, uh, he, but, but Taylor, you know, let's not get on to Taylor. Taylor had an unbelievably dreadful first half, didn't he? Jesus, yeah. What a, what a terrible referee he can be. Um, I mean, to be fair to him, he did. There's a one. There was a wonderful picture on Twitter of him um, him accelerating past Martial, which yes. I really love. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Thought that was really funny, but um, so obviously he's you know he's improved his fitness, but bloody hell, it, I I don't get it. If if the player's been obviously kicked and he's got the ball, why would why would Hazard fall over for no reason? You know you yeah. don't just is he diving? Well, book him if he's diving. Then he's not. He's been kicked, and you're there and seeing it. Why do you play on? I I don't I just I don't get it at all. No, they, this is a constant, isn't it? it, it, it the, he, he goes at such speed, and he's such a good player. All they can do is kick him. But no, but Jones, God, what a ridiculous! He, he took him off in the end, um, Mourinho, because he knew he was going to get uh, he knew he was going to get second yellow. Was, Do you know, he reminds awesome. me, I, I often resort to these, because it's funny, isn't it? Even though this is the high-level professional game, we've, we've all played football. I mean, I played for, a, for a, a kid's team from the age of 6 to 16. I mean, we were shocking. We were absolutely shit. But I always look at the modern game or, 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 or you know, the players today, and, I, and, I, and I, I see players on the pitch that I could, yeah, that reminds me of some bloke I played against. And, and Phil Jones is that bloke. I mean, he's, that, he's the ugly defender who, who had no talent, but was quite hard, and he would just kick people. And and you and I mean, do you know what? I remember the moment he did hazard, and I and and bearing in mind that I was like death warmed up yesterday, but I was up out of my seat. I let I let the C and the F bomb go, and there was something like ugly and so and so in the middle, and and I just I was and the thought that was running through my head was who on our team could go and meet out some retribution in the next five minutes to that shithead, <laughs> you know, yeah. and 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 do him. Because that's what the game needed. And, of course, in the old days when I used to play and, and, and we all used to, well, Marco and, and Jonathan, I suspect Liam was 
probably in kindergarten. Sorry, Liam, no offence. But that's exactly what would happen. You know, the hard bloke in your team, like Chopper, Doug Ruby. There we go. Oh, well said, Mark, because, of course, Doug Ruby was uh, was the half-time uh, player. I mean, if we'd had Doug Ruby on our side, Marco, he, that would have been his job, you know, kick him in the knee exactly. really hard. Don't do it again, son, because this is what you're going to get. Absolutely. Doug the Thug Rugby. Absolutely. Chopper in the old days as well. Uh, Joey Jones was another one. Graham Roberts. You know, we kind of miss those kind of players. But I was I was incensed by that. And, and I think the referee had a lot to do that. I mean, the thing is, Mark, I mean, you know... You know, I, I compared Hazard and, and Kante. Hazard's our best player. Kante's our most important. But the reality is we can absolutely ill afford to be without either. And and if 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 Hazard doesn't get any protection from referees, I fear that he's going to get a really nasty injury. And and we will be shagged without him, let's be honest. And, and, I remember, what do we do? do, do remember, I can't remember. I think we played... It, it might have been... I think it was Fenerbahce in the Champions League... Um, there was a, there was a, an amazing set of photographs in the mail or something like that of um, Hazard's uh, legs, and he had yeah. actually he'd actually been studied so much they they yeah. cut through the material of his socks. Yeah, um, but I mean, we, I was trying to count. I lost. I gave up. He, it's just every five minutes. Down on the floor, down on the floor. It was like the cup game last season against United. You know, um, well, well, he's. I, I think he's. I mean, he always gets plenty of attention, but it just seems to be against United. He gets more than um, more than usual. You know what, Marco? I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of Mourinho in that. I think one of the interesting things that came out yesterday, Liam, no doubt, will be aware of this, but when they walked onto the pitch, uh, you know, Mourinho was shaking a lot of the players' hands, but he didn't shake Hazard, and Hazard just, like, looked at his boots and went straight past him. There's clearly yeah. no love lost there. So, and, and I wouldn't put it past Mourinho, who's a snidey little shit in, in his own right, actually, to have said, kick him, kick him. He doesn't like it, kick him. And I suspect there could be a little bit of Mourinho <laughs> malice in that, Liam. Well, the the funny thing is my mind is drawn back to a quote from a few years ago from a former Chelsea manager who said that um, maybe Hazard needs to get another pair of shin pads for the back of his legs. I think <laughs> I think his name was Jose Mourinho. Well, there um, you go. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's not... We, we, we're familiar with Mourinho's career. We know, you know, all the, all the while he was at Madrid, every Clasico Messi would have would get similar treatment. Um, you'd have Pepe at the base of midfield as the designated mm. kicker. So yeah. it's not, you know, it's not, um, it, 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 it's not something Mourinho decided to do for the first time on Sunday. He's got he, he knows full well. Yeah, and, and, he, and he was on the other side of the fence complaining about protection for Hazard when he was Chelsea manager. So he, he, he's, uh, he's, he's played both sides of that game. Um, mm. But Hazard, Hazard is also used to it. You know, I mean, it, it, didn't, it didn't make him back off. It didn't make him play any worse. I thought he absolutely tormented United for, for the entire game. And if anything, I think it riled him up and made him more determined to, to dominate against them. And it, I mean, he, 
the year that Chelsea won the league under Mourinho, the first time Hazard kind of emerged as the the star of the Premier League. He was also the most fouled player in the division. So yeah, yeah. He, he's yeah. used to he's very much used to to getting this sort of treatment. A, a huge part of his game is putting defenders in position where in positions where they have to either let him pass or foul him and often they take the the latter option so mm. he's he's a tough guy um he might be small but he's a very tough guy and, and he, it, he he is indeed and I, and I think there's you know the one thing we can't question which I think Mourinho did a while ago back actually funny enough recalling those days I don't think you can uh you can dig out uh Hazard for his his courage and his heart because you know, and I think this is the thing that pisses me off about the referees. Actually, you know, he is not some. He's not a player who, when he gets kicked, rolls around pretending he's dead. He's not a diver. You know, when he yeah. when he if he gets kicked and he get he's hurt, that's why he goes down and he gets back up and he tries again. So you can't question his heart and his courage. But the trouble is, is that he, you know, he's not getting that protection, and somebody's going to do him an injury. That's my concern. Anyway, I'm going to move on because we're whizzing off and running out of time. Couple of things I really want to talk about. Um, you know, typically, just as we're up, you know, up on a, a high again, having put to bed the horribleness of the Roma defeat and uh, um, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, we've now got a bloody international break coming up, and the one thing that we're crying out for, I think, this season uh, is is consistency, and uh, it's one thing that we haven't shown at all, Jonathan. Um, do you think the international break will hamper that attempt to get some consistency, or not? Uh, I don't think it will. I think it'll be an opportunity for um, uh, for Conte to get them together and to hone the hone the game that he wants. Yeah, them but they'll to all play. be off, won't, they, won't they be all off playing for the bloody uh, international teams? Some of them won't be, will they? Some of them will be around. I mean, well, most of them said, are off. Kante will have an opportunity, won't he, to, uh, to recover? And the um, I was going to say the Brazilians, but I don't think any of them will be playing. Uh, but yeah, on reflection, I think you're right. That we we may come back with a few more injuries, unfortunately. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, it, it's tricky, isn't it? Uh, mind you, everybody has to deal with the international breaks. It's not as if it's just the, the Blues. Yeah, but enough. then the next game, the next game's West Brom, isn't it? As well. So yeah. um, um, you expect, know, what, expect West more West kicking West, there. Yeah, so you know what we're going to get there. It's yeah. a, a large amount of kicking. Um, so, uh, but I you know my I'm, my. My um, optimism is um, is huge now that Kante's back because, uh, it, it, as I said, the machine purrs more. Um, it looks like a proper side, um, and so I, I have uh, I have every hope that we'll uh, we'll just carry on playing in the same vein. Actually, good point. Um, and the other thing, uh, Liam, you know, um, Marco and I were chatting about this, uh, funny enough, last week. But there was a huge amount of conjecture last week. I think a lot of it was fueled by the uh, the press boys of course who uh, loved having something to write about nothing like a chelsea crisis to uh, to sell news as it were um but there was a lot of conjecture about uh, conte's uh, future immediate future because of course at chelsea you know nothing is impossible you know we, people get sacked for far less than conte in a sense do you think that uh, the win yesterday will have put that to bed for a while um for for a bit for a bit, it never for goes away for very yeah, long. Till the till um, the next big match we lose, you know, usual bollocks, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I did, I did think going into the game that if Chelsea lost, it was going to be, in many ways, an annoying two weeks to cover as a journalist because you would, mm. you would have a lot of this talk. You you constantly be having to chase things up. Um, I 
I've never got the sense, you know, there, there are clearly tensions behind the scenes between Conte and the hierarchy over certain things. And they've been well documented. They're largely transfer related, um, dating back to the summer, but I've never got the sense that he, he is in immediate jeopardy. Um, I think if, you know, if there was any kind of parting, I think it would be him walking away, but I don't get the sense from anything he said that he's even considered that since the season started. Um, he's, he's, he's totally committed to his work. His family have just moved over here. So I think he's, um, you know, he's all in. And, uh, I think the fans can see that during the games as well. And, the the win is huge because it just it just changes the narrative a little bit um, and it allows the international break to pass <laughs> to pass with Lu- Louise as the only soap opera. There's all there has mm. to be one, but um, it allows that to be the biggest story rather than Conte's own future. And then we'll see how things go after that. But I think I think Conte, just speaking to the consistency thing, I think he probably has mixed feelings about the international break because. It does disrupt Chelsea's rhythm after a good performance, but at the same time, he has really um, not liked the lack of training time he's had with with his players this season. They've had a game every three days. He said they've been training 70% less, and particularly the tactical stuff. Um, I think he's he's really felt the... He's, he's really felt the absence of that compared to last year. So he will get to work with some of the players, particularly guys like Danny Drinkwater, who's been injured virtually since he signed. So um, he, he'll have a chance to regroup and, and, and plan a few things and, and really attack um, the rest of November and beyond. Hmm. Well, in a minute, in part three, uh, we're going to be talking about something which might actually help Conte if... Uh, if his beef with the board is over the transfer or, or, you know, transfer signings, lack of activity, call it what you will, because, of course, Michael Emanano has gone, but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, I just kind of want to round this up uh, by saying, you know, it, it, it was great fun. I mean, I, I really did feel like shit yesterday. And, and yet, you know, a couple of pints in the pub, you know, meeting up with everybody. And then it was a cracking, cracking game, wasn't it, Marco? It was a wonderful atmosphere. And it's something yeah. about United. It's something about playing United, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's always been such a big game. It's not just recently, has it? I mean, I saw you, you put a tweet out actually yesterday, which I thought nailed it. It's a cracking game against United. It always is, isn't it? Big game for us. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my, when I was a kid, Man United was the biggest game of the season. Um, you know, they won the European Cup in 1968. I think it was seven. Um, you know, I loved all their players, loved all our players. Um, you know, it's sort of stuff that when you're a kid, um, you know, and you have your football cards and football monthly and all that stuff, um, it's just brilliant. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, the, the thing with United and, and, and City as well, um, I, I, don't, I don't hate those football clubs in, in the same way that certain other football clubs. Um, you know, I have a loathing for. Um, I look forward to playing United. It's always incident packed, and yeah, you know, there was Ferguson there for years, and you know, and all of that nonsense and Fergie time and Mourinho's there. But you know, you you never. I mean, obviously, the result can go against you, but you never kind of feel cheated out of not being entertained. Um, when Chelsea play Man United, um, there's always something going on. 
to, to you know, irrespective of where where the clubs have been, and obviously they've been the two most successful clubs um, in the 21st century, haven't they? In, 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 yeah. in the in the game. Um, so yeah, and you know the fact that we properly came back answered. Uh, you know those players had to stand up and be counted yesterday um, and play for Conte, given all the stories that had been bubbling around um, in in the week preceding or in, in the days preceding. Um, I just thought. You know, everything came together. The fans were bang up for it. The players yeah, were up yeah. for it. And we got the result. And to be honest with you, if it hadn't have been for David De Gea and, and um, making some excellent saves and Bakayoko, um, you know, being a bit profligate in front of goal, we, we could have hammered them. Um, you know, it could have been five or six, three, I think, the this, this score could have ended up quite easily <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, it could have been, couldn't it? I mean, it was crap. Well, I think one of the things, I, and I always forget this, and then, of course, you, you have the United game, and then you re- remember again, but there's something about the game that really gets the Chelsea crowd's blood up, you know? I mean, it, you know, it was helped, I think, by the, the ebbing and the flowing of the match, and there were a lot of chances, and also the referee being a dick. I think that helped weirdly. But, uh, you know, we were well up for it. Um, I mean, and even, I mean, you know, I can, I'll tell you what, Marco will verify this, because, of course, he sits in... Uh, you know, gate 17 with me, but you, you always know when the crowd as a whole are up for it, when there are people in the, in gate 17 that are singing and getting up off their feet and swearing, swearing at what's going on. Isn't that true, Marco? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I I think everybody just went into the stadium. I mean, there was a lot of chatter at the stall yesterday, including from what one individual who, 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 who in a various, in, in a previous Life on Twitter used to used to be uh, championing Chelsea's cause when it was all falling apart at the seams. We were always going to win, but even he was um, a little apprehensive yeah. uh, in terms of what to expect yesterday. But everybody, you know, the fans were everybody was up for it. Um, it was great. Excellent. All right. Long well, may listen, we be- continue. Long may it continue. I couldn't agree more. Now uh, we better have a break because uh, we're. Time is a moving on. Time waits for no man or Chelsea fancast. Right, after the break, we're going to uh, discuss the implications of what we were talking about earlier, which is uh, technical director Michael Emanalo's departure, which was announced this afternoon. Uh, Does it exemplify the unrest behind the scenes at Chelsea? And does it mean that Conte's power has increased or diminished? And what on earth did Emanalo do anyway? We'll be back in a sec. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. 
Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, I've got with me the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. It's lovely to be here. The uh, the fantastic the fantastic person who is Mr. Mark Worrell, the uh, the manner of the CFC UK stall, esteemed Chelsea author, and all round lovely chap. So good to have Marco in the house as always. Good to see you, buddy. Lovely jubbly. And last, but by no means least, uh, I've got the lovely Liam Toomey in the house, who, of course, is Chelsea's correspondent for ESPN and a fine writer he is too. Good to have you in the house, Liam. A pleasure to be here. Lovely. Now, before we get on with the the matter in hand, which I shall remind you of in a minute, I've got to read this uh, post from the lovely Mark Barfoot out, who says, Chidge, well done. You got all your predictions spot on in the Kerry Dixon fan cast. Unlike Kerry. Well, you know, you said it, mate. You, uh, you know, you wait till I tell the big man. Uh, to be fair to Kerry, actually, he does giggle when I get it right and he gets it hopelessly wrong. Um, but I actually, I think we were, we, we, well, he was erring on the side of a draw and I said we'd, we'd nick it 1-0 with a bit of hazard magic. And of course, I I underrated the, uh, the the likelihood of Aspie passing to Morata and a bit of Morata magic, but there you go. Um, I don't think we're doing a Kerry Dixon show this week because it's international break. So I might, I might give the, the great man the week off. I'm sure he'll thank me for that. And we'll be back uh, next week to, to look ahead to uh, West Brom. But of course, uh, I don't think we, we, we could do it justice if we didn't actually talk about the Man United game as well. Anyway, we should move on. Cheers, Mark. Great to see you in here as always, of course. Uh, OK, so today, this afternoon, as luck would have it, uh, before I decided to write the script... Uh, it being that I was travelling back last night and knackered when I got back, I thought I'd leave it until this afternoon to write the script, and good job I did. Because lo and behold, breaking news, uh, which of course I saw on... Which actually I, I was delighted to see I found out on Twitter well before Sky, Sky Sports News put it up. So up yours, Sky Sports News. You you blew it. You, what was it? You snooze, you lose. There you go. Uh, but anyway, Michael Emanalo, uh has announced today that he is resigning, quitting Chelsea FC after being at the club for 10 years, which uh, <laughs> for Chelsea, that's like a lifetime. So fair play to him for sticking it out that long. Um, but I just wonder if there's something going on here, you know, a bit of palpable discord, perhaps, 
Um, anyway, it behoves me to kind of fire the first of these questions to uh, to Liam, who's usually quite close to what's going on. Um, uh, to be honest, uh, Liam, I, I've got most of my information from uh, Matt Law's article in the tar- is it the Telegraph or the I think it's the Telegraph. Telegraph. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I mean, you know, we all know. I mean, I'm sure you could confirm or deny this, but uh, we all know that Chelsea has about three journalists uh, via whom they they punt their news out to. You know, the, the you know, you know how it works. And Matt is definitely one of those. So no surprise that he broke the story first. But uh, he did allude to the fact that there, there's been some rumours of uh, that, that perhaps Emanalo's had enough of a perceived kind of power battle between him and Marina Granovskaya and Antonio Conte. Um, is, there any, is there any truth in that? Or, is, or has he gone for other reasons, or the reasons that were stated, do you think? Well, I think the first thing to say is that Matt is in, very well connected when it comes to Chelsea. So if he's, if he's reporting something like that, um, it's something that has to be taken seriously at the, at the very least. Um, all we can really go on for certain is that Emanalo, uh, you know, has stated that he wants to spend more time with his family. He wants a bit of a break and he wants a fresh challenge. Now, you could you could say that there's an element of the lady doth protest too much and there's a few too many reasons in there. But, you know, that that's all we have to go on at this point is that um, those, are the, those are the reasons he, wa- he wants to leave. I mean, he's always seemed very happy at Chelsea. Um, he's, he's always seemed very much a, uh, a company man, which he's obviously been criticised for from the outside for the perception that he's an Abramovich stooge. But he's actually done some some significant work as as technical director, which I'm sure we'll get onto. Um, but it's it, it's hard to know really with, without speaking to him directly. And I know he did an interview with Chelsea TV today, which. Uh, didn't reveal too much more than than was in the original statement about why he was going to leave. Um, without speaking to him directly, it's hard to know what his feelings are. But as we've said, there are clear tensions, you know, that between Conte and the hierarchy. And when we say the hierarchy, we are generally referring to Marina Granovskaya, who runs the club on behalf of Roman Abramovich. So. There, there, there are there are clearly problems there in terms of, I think, power influence over the over the recruitment strategy, um, and the way Conte wants to build on the pitch. Whether that's played into Manalo's thinking, not entirely sure. But the the timing certainly raises questions. That that's all you can say, really. Okay, just grill you on that a bit more. The timing raises questions. What what do you mean by that? Well, I just mean that the fact that it's happening now, you know, the fact that it's happening two or three months into the season, into a season where Conte has made several weeks of pointed references about how thin his squad has been left and how he's having to use the same players every three days. Um, Decisions were taken in the summer to loan players out. It's unclear how much of that was, you know, at the behest of Conte, at the behest of the club in terms of, serving these players development best um but whatever the whatever the reasons behind it the squad was left short for the start of the season and it has reached a stage where 11 11 games into the season Chelsea's chances of defending the Premier League title are very slim so within all of that context 
um, and with a fairly constant stream of stories that Conte is unhappy and, and, and could walk at the end of the season. That's the context I'm talking about when I'm saying right. it, it raises questions. Well, well, that's, that's you know, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, we'll, we'll get into, you know, whether we think uh, Emanalo did a bad job or a good job or, or somewhere in between in a minute. But, you know, my, my, my head, Marco, whether we think he was good or bad, you know, he had a very significant position at the club uh, and, and one with no little power, I would hasten to add, for good or ill. Uh, and I think to, 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 see, to see him leave, even if, even if the, uh, the reasons for him leaving are innocent, I think it does exemplify that there's, there is some unrest going on behind the scenes at the club. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it completely took everyone by surprise. I think mean, if, if there was um, one man who's always been thought of as uh, being, you know, Roman's eyes and ears, um, to, to say nothing of, you know, the, the, the guy who goes out and finds the players, um, be, the, be they good or bad, uh, for him just to... You know, it's, it's quite un-Chelsea-like for uh, a senior uh, official, be, be that um, a manager, player or otherwise, to actually leave of their own volition rather than, um, you know, get, get, get fired, so to speak. So, or, or, you know, managed out or moved out. So it'll be interesting to see what the, the, the story behind that is. And I know... Um, you know, social media came alive uh, when the news broke, and you know, to rapturous celebrations. Um, but you know, there doesn't seem to be any succession planning there, and somebody's got to do that job because I think he actually did do. Um, you know, there is a job he was doing there. Absolutely uh, right. Yeah, and and I think um, you know, there's a, there's a transfer window coming up. And, you know, we do need to address um, some things uh, transfer-wise. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's intriguing, isn't it? Uh, it is. I think, I'm, I think... I'm glad he's gone. Do you know what? Um, thinking about it, not, not, I wouldn't say I was ecstatic. I think if, if, if it was uh, news that Emanalo was leaving because da-da-da-da-da, was 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 becoming the club's technical director. I think I think I'd be um, I'd be more pleased to hear that. But I think as you know, as Liam sort of alluded to there, if there's some something murky going on in the the background, you know, I mean, things are never stable at the football club, are they? Very very rare, very rarely, um, you know, is there is there a calm calmness and. Uh, it does make you wonder what what, what next. Well, so. indeed, and I, I think that's really interesting, Marco, because you know we could, and we may well argue until the cows co- come home about whether he was any good at his job or not. Um, I, I, to be honest, I don't know. To be really honest, uh, I've heard, you know, I, I've seen what we all see the rumours and the evidence of of stuff. You know, players he's brought in, players he's let go. You know, yada yada yada. You could go on about that for ages. All I can tell you is I know a guy who's quite involved with football on the agent side on the legal side and and 
you know, unbeknownst to us, perhaps, you know, Emanalo is actually really well respected for the job that he does at Chelsea and is often cited as an, as an example of how that role works very, very well. But, I mean, Jonathan, you know, it, I'm kind of with Marco in a sense, you know. that This seems like very inconvenient timing. And, and you know, he, he, he does perform a role there that we do not have anybody in place to fill at an important time of the season. So, you know, my guts tell me that this is not good. Would you agree well, or do you think we're well it's shot? Been, it's been rumoured, hasn't it, that um, he's going to Monaco. So he may have been he may have been headhunted, yeah. And he just thought, well, I'm going there in January. I'm going to resign. So let's have some holiday time. And he was interestingly yeah. on the pitch on the pitch at the end of the game, wasn't he last he night? He was, wasn't he? And, uh, and very uh, studiously ignored by Conte, despite um, Emanalo bashing him heavily on the on the shoulder as he went past. He didn't give him any eye contact at all. So I mm. immediately thought they've fallen out those two. Um, uh, so uh, perhaps this was his last hurrah. Um, just saying, here I am, and I'm now leaving tomorrow. Or alternatively, it could have been that he thought, well, I'm being ignored by everybody here. I'll just, I'll resign. But there was another article I read saying that he'd actually resigned several days ago. Yeah. And uh, that... and this this was just a final goodbye to everybody that he was um, standing yeah. on the pitch doing. But I, I, I find it very difficult to make any assessment because we don't really know what went on. You know, we don't know what... Um, uh, we, we don't know what, what his dealings were like. We don't know whether um, one can surmise that he was uh, um, he had big power. He might have been just a, a conduit. He might have come up with people and he just passed them through to the hierarchy who said, no, we're not buying that player. Um, you have to put down that he, he obviously had a good a good eye for people because he uh, uh, he bought um, uh, De Bruyne, though we're going to say Lukaku, but Lukaku was so dreadful yesterday that I'm beginning to think that uh, Morata was obviously such a better choice um, and that story about uh, Conte always wanting Morata was, was was clearly the correct one because there's no comparison between Morata and Lukaku at all um, so uh, I, I don't know how you assess him it seems to have given the opportunity now there's even more rumour that um, perhaps even Perlo who has just announced his uh, resignation could then be involved in the setup. And there's also the theory that they will change the whole structure of uh, of what they do with the club is a, is another possibility for the best. But once again, this it's also mysterious. I mean, I I don't know is that true, Liam? Is it, I always get the the the, the impression that there's a kind of um, uh, I, I know just a, anyway a wall that we can't get through about how the uh, the the board do their business, and we just rarely have access to it. Is that correct? Do you get that feeling? As a fan, I always get that feeling. As a journalist, I do get that feeling you're not being allowed into that kind of um, inner sanctum. Well, there's there's certainly always been an element of that with Chelsea, with Abramovich's inner circle of advisors. None of them have a public profile. None of them talk. None of them give interviews. Um, none of them know anything but, about football, Liam. Well, I mean... Well, that, well that's they don't. Interesting. It's certainly true of someone like Eugene Tenenbaum. He he has. Well, okay. Let's 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 just let's just go through the board, shall we? Marina, Marina Granovskaya, Eugene Tenenbaum, Ch- uh, Bruce Buck. Who else have we got on the proper board? Well, I think that might be. Uh, I think that might that be. Might it. be it. <laughs> that might be. It. <laughs> I think that's how, it. How, how out of those three, they know less about football than all of us individually, let alone collectively. I'm telling you that for a fact. Well, I mean, they might know how to run businesses. 
They might know how to run businesses, oil businesses and the like. They might be good lawyers, but that doesn't qualify them to know anything about football, about buying players. So, you know, well, for I good or I... ill, Tana, um, you know, Emanalo, whatever we think of him, was the only one in there who knew anything about football. Sure. Well, I think I think um, I think that it's a little bit unfair on Granovskaya in terms of the football business side because I think she's actually. Ah, I, very, wasn't, very... I wasn't talking about football business. Oh, I was okay. talking about football. Right. Sure. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, but the, there is a fairly extensive network beneath them that I think, which you know, the club's recruitment network was headed up by Emanalo, but he wasn't necessarily in charge of buying players. That was the the kind of division of power. Um, under his role of technical director, he was he spearheaded the domestic and international scouting network, as well as managing the the loan system and and all the all the different young players. So, I mean, he had a fairly broad set of responsibility. Um, there, to to answer what Jonathan said, I do think that, that there there is kind of an intentional wall around the the inner circle of Aranovich, but I think part of it is also that for a while. Um, Chelsea's Chelsea's hierarchy was in a bit of flux and I think it's been a lot more stable over the last few years and with that has come a slightly more formalised system of communication I don't think they were terribly good at communicating anything um, in say the first half of the Abramovich era era. I do think they've gotten better Um, there's probably still room for improvement but Emanalo was often the guy who would be put up to do that. Um, I mean, you remember the interview that he gave when <laughs> to the club's in-house TV channel, the palpable Discord interview. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, he. The point is, he was the one who was put up to to explain the board's position, and and you know, he has been several on several occasions since when it comes to youth strategy and and, and other other topics. Mm. I tell you what I think about this. I mean, I think it's a it's it's a very interesting uh, dichotomy, which is is peculiar to to modern football. You know, you, I mean, Marco, myself, and Jonathan all grew up where you know football managers, and I'm going going way before Wenger and and Ferguson here, but you know, in the 70s and the 80s, the football manager was the football manager. He ran the football club. You know, he ran everything to do with the football side. His power was absolute and he lived or died by that. And it seems to me that there's been this European trend whereby, you know, you have a technical director or, or a director of football who seems to leave the, the football manager in, in just the position of the coach. He coaches the first team and gets them to play well and win stuff. And, you know, I have an issue with that because I think that undermines uh, the manager's authority, particularly if he's a good manager. You know, if he's a shit manager, then fair enough. But, you know, people like Conte and Mourinho and uh, to a certain extent, I would imagine Pep Guardiola, you know, believe that they know most about how to make that team play and how to make that club successful. So I think that, the, you know, when you have a, a director of football and a techn- or a technical director, you immediately have a power clash, which is unhealthy. Having said that... The other thing about the modern game is that, apart from Ferguson and, and, and Wenger, the, the, the life expectancy of a manager, quite often of their own volition, let alone anything else, is very, very short. So in some senses, you can say that because Chelsea, you know, have had a management structure in place where a lot of the key kind of football management decisions have not just been in the hands of the, the in, incumbent coach, 
we've been able to carry on a much more longer term strategy. And it has to be argued fairly successfully, given what we've won over the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, you know, so every time you sack the manager or they leave, you don't have to tear it all up, go back to square one and start again because the whole edifice carries on. So I think it's a really complex argument. But the question I want to eedle, uh, wheedle out of you first off, Liam, is, you know, do you think, given that uh, Emanalo has gone, given that there has been friction between Conte and the board about the running of the, you know, the football side of things, do you think that Conte's power has increased or do you think it's to, you know, diminished with uh, Emanalo going? Well, I don't think it's increased, um, but purely because, you know, touching on what you just said, I think the, the underlying philosophy of the way Abramovich and Granovskaya want to run Chelsea is that the, the coach is the head of the football division. You know, he's, he coaches the team. He's not in charge of recruitment. He has a voice. And Conte has always had a voice in, in Chelsea's recruitment, but it's not necessarily the largest voice or the or the casting vote. He ha- he has an input, but I'm sure not as much as he would like. So whether they directly replace Emanalo and 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 fill, you know, a technical director position, or they rejig the executive, you know, decision making structure of the club in his absence. And, you know, they made it clear in their statement today that they're going to review that one way or the other. Regardless of what they do, I don't think it's going to see an increase in influence for Conte because he was appointed first team head coach. And you always have to pay attention to the wording they use with these Chelsea statements because it's important. He was appointed first team head coach. And that's why I think, uh, you know, he, he can be disappointed maybe with the lack of headway he was able to make in terms of influence on Chelsea's recruitment last summer, but he can't be surprised because he knew what the situation was coming in. Um, Just to touch on something Jonathan said earlier as well about um, Conte and Emanalo, him thinking that maybe they they fell out. Um, I've not seen any evidence to suggest that Conte and Emanalo fell out and uh, have fallen out. And on the contrary, from what I've been able to gather, I think they had a, a perfectly reasonable professional relationship you know that i don't know if they were best friends or anything but they i'm not aware of any major problems with them we'd often go to open training sessions and see them in conversation on the pitch um you know emanalo often sits behind conte conte on match days um and and his office is just across the corridor from conte's at cobham so they've they they worked regularly together and daily and i think Actually, the departure of Emanalo could, you know, it has the potential at least to to exacerbate any issues with the board because Abramovich doesn't come to Cobham very much. And when he does, it's a news story. So it's probably best that he doesn't. Um, Granovskaya works mainly out of Stamford Bridge when when she's London-based. So um, if there is, if, if there are tensions, which we, you know, we've been led to believe there are significant tensions between Conte and the board, it might be exacerbated with distance because someone like Emanalo was ideally placed as someone who saw Conte every day to be a mediating influence between the a mediating presence between the board and the manager, or well, the board and the head coach. Sorry, the head coach. So, in in a, in a nutshell, uh, Liam, it, it might leave Conte more isolated. 
and you know in a, but in a sense you know there's such a such a theory that he might be going at the end of the year anyway maybe the club don't care i mean look the the other thing that i would ask really i'm going to i'm going to go ask the boys this as well conscious of the fact that there are four people on this program not two um <laughs> uh you know I would imagine, Marco, that they're going to replace him. I mean, look, the, the feeling I've always had about Emanalo, I, I think it's so impossible to, to really establish whether he did a good job or not. And it's been so easy for him to be scapegoated by us mere supporters, you know, because, I mean, I think the, the, the whole palpable discord interview was a case in point. You know, he was kind of put up there as the sacrificial lamb, really, because whatever anybody said, they were going to get stick for it. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing is, the only issue that I've perhaps had with him, perhaps that's my naivety, is that I feel that if you're going to have a technical director or a director of football at a football club, then they need to have, you know, we're a world-class club. You know, we have aspirations of being in the elite and all, all, all of that kind of jazz. So if we're going to have a director of football, we need a world-class director of football. That's somebody who's well-known in the football world with huge respect, huge knowledge and presence in the game. You know, so... And that's the only beef I really had with him, that I just didn't see him as that guy. You know, this is a guy who managed a ladies' team in the US and played for Notts County. You know, mm. it's not really the kind of gravitas that I want to see at the club. So given that, is this an opportunity to go and recruit somebody who can fit that bill? But crucially, they have to be able to work hand-in-hand hand with the manager because I think this whole issue of the power battle and the power dynamic between the two is often what scuppers it. Yeah, uh... I think the, the thing is, though, for all the um, the vitriol that, that goes his way every now and again, you, you know, he's kind of been there for 10 years. You know, he, he was brought in, if you remember, by um, Avram Grant. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I had a thought. The, the first thing I thought uh, when I when I saw that, I thought, I wonder if Gus Hiddink will be um, parachuted in once again um, in an, an avuncular uh, director of football type role, which which you know wouldn't wouldn't offend anybody. Could could he do a good mm. job? I don't know. Do, does he know football? Yes. Does he know a good player? I think so. Yeah. Um, would anybody object to Gus coming in as director no. of football? I Not doubt me. it. Um, so, you know, somebody like that could could uh, if if he could be persuaded to. Um, I, I think didn't it, didn't his wife not want him to um, go into a full time job again? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, somebody like Gus could could do do the job, uh, but then you know you, you get into the, the weird and wonderful world of um, people like Damien Kamoli. Yeah, I mean, like people who, when, when you look at them, you think they're not football people. Um, you know, it'd be great, it'd be great to have somebody in that role that has an affinity with Chelsea Football Club and, you know, thinking out loud, Gus, Gus Hiddink really is the only guy, you know, with the with the sort of gravitas and experience who, who could potentially do that role or, or, or then, you know, what, what's Rude Hullet doing? Um, you know, people like that. Um, Gianluca Vialli, can you imagine mm. if he came back as director of football? Wow. Um 
it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting opportunity, and, it, and it's it's vitally important they make the right appointment. Mm. Um, Given that that's so, probably what they're going to want to do, they will want to replace him. Benitez. <laughs> oh no, well, that ain't going to happen. I think that's pretty. No, no. Pretty, pretty sure. I mean, Jonathan. I mean, it's it's. Sorry, sorry, Marco. Finish your point. No, no, no. I was just saying, is Avram Grant still managing uh, Ghana, or is he, is he been hustled out of that job? I, I don't know. Oh, I, I've no idea. I've no idea. I, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think I think Jonathan that, that Marco makes a really good point. Given, I mean, look, my, my, you know, my the way I see it, the way I understand it, is I think I think given that they like to have this kind of strategic continuity going on, given that managers come and go, uh, that I think that they will want to keep this position in place of so, in, in some way. I think my concern is, is that we, we have to have somebody of the kind of caliber that Marco's talking about. Somebody, you know, experience, gravitas, respect in the game. Uh, also somebody with, with a Chelsea connection. But I think my biggest concern is that, Given what I said earlier on, and and I and I don't for one minute uh, doubt that uh, the people on the board at Chelsea know how to run a business and are bloody good at it, um, but I do question their their understanding of football. They are not football people, and I really think you need a football person at board level who can you know at, at the least translate the manager's wishes into action uh, and, and actually get that message across. I mean, would you agree with that, Jonathan? Well, I, I think it was quite revelationary that he made his way up, didn't he? Um, yeah. Emanalo uh, from being something like, what was he, chief scout or something under Avram Grant. Um, so they quite like appointing from within um, or, or appointing somebody that Abramovich seems to know and trust. So mm. um, I wasn't convinced that he was the initially the man for the job. I'm just wondering whether we should we should think for uh, to, to, to appoint Hank Tenkate. Do you remember him? I who do. was Grant's assistant, who was convinced he had the manager's job after Grant was sacked and, of course, was <laughs> ushered away rather uh, um, impolitely, if I remember. Um, uh, just seemed to sit there and do nothing during all of the games. During that, I was all, He looked like a Michelin man. I kept thinking, what does he actually do, that bloke? But Because um, Grant was always just go to the edge of the pitch and stare at the grass, and then Ten Carter would just stay there not doing anything. So uh, they were the most immobile pair of manage ma a management team I've ever seen since um, Clough and Taylor, actually. No, that's not fair. Um, but Taylor very, did very little. Anyway, I digress. Um, uh, yeah, it would, be, it would be great to have somebody in there. But I, I worry that that makes waves for Chelsea. That's, to have a man of personality in that role would be, uh, would be too significant. I think they like to have somebody who's... Uh, a yes person and part of the team. I mean, if Bruce Buck is anything to go by, the few times I've met him, he has um, no interest in anybody but himself and looks down his nose at uh, everybody surrounding him. And I, and he speaks I, very highly of you, Jonathan. Very, very. <laughs> no, he doesn't. In fact, I know. I know that for a fact. Um, with, he's with a great my, listener to the show as well. I should add. So I know he's a yes, fan he's of a, yours. He's a he's a great listener to the show, but it's not this show. It's, no, he uh, is. I'm not joking. It, it's any other show. Um, um, uh, I hope that's not true, Chidge, because in which case, you're a wonderful man, Bruce Buck, and I, it's another Bruce <laughs> that I'm thinking of. It's, uh, it's a, a Bruce Buck, and it's spelt, his Bruce is spelt B-R-A-C-E, -A -A Bryce, Bryce Buck. It's an Australian guy that I know. 
Bryce back. Okay, so you weren't referring to the current chairman of Chelsea Football Club, of course. Oh, God, God, God. heaven, heaven forfend, Chidge. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jonathan suddenly became very uh, aware of the vulnerability of his wonderful, uh, wonderful seat in the East Middle and all the privileges... <laughs> And all the privileges that come with that. Yes, yes, indeed. Anyway, listen, folks, we, we should really, we should really, we should really move this on. Uh, and I don't think there is any answer to it. But finally, you know, how how should we remember uh, Michael Michael Emelano? I mean, he, he got a lot of scapegoating, Liam. Is that unfair? I mean, is the player recruitment and academy success down to him, or was it a bit hit and miss? I mean, you know, I'll, I'll leave you with a final word on this. Well. um... I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think he deserves yeah. a share of a share of the credit for the areas he was responsible for. And, you know, that's identifying talent for the senior team. And I think Chelsea actually, they get a lot of stick for their recruitment, but the players that they have signed, many of them have been inspired signings. You know, you think of, mm. I mean, Eden Hazard was a, pretty much a no brainer, but someone like Cesar yeah. Pilaqueta, yeah, you know, um, Kante, Kante last summer had had one Premier League season, albeit a sensational one, and and he's proved to be a key player. Um, Thibaut Courtois, Kevin De Bruyne, you know. Um, so I think Christensen, Christensen now, of course. I mean, he, and he was very much an academy signing, which was another area of Emanalo's responsibility. He designed that controversial, but um, in in many ways productive mass loan system not necessarily productive in the way that some Chelsea fans would like it to be but it is productive and profitable um, and it's and it's been pioneering in a lot of ways you see a lot of other big clubs now for better or worse looking to copy it I mean Manchester City have got a lot of loanees as well um, and the way that those guys are monitored and given regular feedback and you know if you believe what the club Clubs say that the club philosophy behind it, they, they always try to put those players in, in position to develop. And you're seeing it with, with someone like Tammy Abraham this season where he's he's in a really good place at Swansea. Um, so that's that. I mean, I mean Emanalo deserves big credit for that. And he's also played a big hand in appointing managers. You know, the, a lot of the stick that the hierarchy get doesn't, is usually at the expense of a manager they've sacked or a manager that they're putting under pressure, but that always forgets the fact that they appointed these guys in the first place. And, um, you know, it's clear that Emanalo and the, the rest of the, the Chelsea hierarchy, they do have a pretty decent eye for a manager. It's never an exact science, but aside from bringing Mourinho back, you know, Conte wasn't a, an absolute slam dunk appointment. He'd never worked anywhere outside of Italy. Um, and, and he's he's come in and been spectacular. So mm. the things that have happened under their watch, two Premier League titles, you know, incredible success at academy level. Um, I, I think that is an important part of Emanalo's legacy, even if he was never the most convincing or inspiring talker. And the way he was elevated through the club probably left a, a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Well, OK, I mean... I think whatever one thinks of Emanalo, whether he did a good job or not, it's hard for us to really be able to tell. But I think that, uh, you know, it, it would be churlish of us not to acknowledge the fact that, you know, he has shared in a lot of success that we've had over the last 10 years. So uh, on that note, uh, 
Technical director, leader, legend, Michael Emilalo, thank you and good night and bon chance, as they say. Right, uh, after the break, uh, we've got a quick roundup of all the latest supporter news from Chelsea, including news about Marco's new book. Can't wait. See you in a sec. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you, of course, are listening to the Chelsea Fancast, and we are on the home straight. Sadly, no emails this week. Oh, very oh. naughty people. Jonathan is very upset, aren't you, Jonathan? Oh, oh, oh. I know. I had to give him a pay rise just to shut him up, honestly. <laughs> just let me read um, everything out. That'll be good. I'm going to. I've got. We've got lots of shout-outs, and we're going to have a quick chat with Marco about his book, although I've got the, the little thing from Amazon you can read out to intro it. So take it away, J.K., I bought Doherty's diamonds yesterday, by the way, at the stall. Tim was oh, there. Did, yeah. Tim Rolls was there and he signed it. So yeah. you've devalued it then already? Completely. He put a kind of scrawl and a silly face and drew a, drew a picture of a willy in the corner. Tim but, should yeah. basically, you know when you touch a sausage roll or a mince pie, there's always yeah. a little bit of kind of fatty residue on your fingers. What he yeah, should yeah. have done was like done a thumbprint with a bit of kind of sausage roll or mince pie on it. it. That would have been oh, uniquely Tim. It would have been perfect because he is sausage rolls, isn't he? He yeah, is. Cool. He is. And he makes mean mince pies for Christmas. Can't wait uh, when they arrive stuff. at the store. Anyway, Excellent. take it away, mate. Um, uh, there's a Paul Cannaville Get Well Fund, uh, as I think we know. But um, the marvellous Paul Cannaville, who is our friend and who's been on the show a lot and uh, is such a sweet man. Um, he's done so much to help others obviously is now we need himself after an unexpected illness which we've talked about and surgery which has incapacitated him from his continuous work but thank goodness he's on the mend he is he's was been wor- seen out and about jk i think oh fantastic because i was worried i was worried about yeah, it let's be I honest too yeah particularly off some of the, the he disappeared for a bit and in, in facebook disappeared i thought oh god bloody hell but uh, no I'm, I'm glad to hear that that's great but we can uh, show our appreciation of his good work and help him back on his feet by uh, giving him a bit of dosh on um, uh, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash www.gofundme.com slash Paul hyphen Canoville, that's C-A-N-O-V-I-L-L-E hyphen get hyphen well hyphen fund hyphen GBP. I'll say that again quickly. It's gofundme.com slash paul canaville hyphen get hyphen well hyphen fund hyphen gbp um and uh, um uh, do you want to talk about this uh, chidge because this is uh, this is uh, marco's book here what do you want to do you want to read that intro and then then well, we can all talk to marco about it say, okay let's come. not no no i was gonna <laughs> say you, you guys kindly gave it a plug, plug it before a couple of weeks ago, it was only really all I wanted to say um, for the people that uh, are, are into Kindle, um, the, the, the pre-order um, offer expired. Uh, well, the book's published on Friday, November the 10th, um, and I think if you pre-order the Kindle version, you can get it at two ninety-five. So um, 
cue, cue a mad rush there. But the the um, the paperback will also be available um, to order on Friday, hopefully. Uh, with buy one, one of them. I'll buy one, one of them. Delivery, possible. Right. And and we are trying to have a book launch. Although myself and Walter appear to be doing a passable impression of uh, Joseph and Mary at the first nativity. We were being turned away by every inn. Um, in in Southwest Six at the moment, <laughs> so that the, there might be there might be a book launch after the Newcastle United game, um, possibly in the Tommy Tucker, but uh, we don't know just yet. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, Marco, is the is uh, maybe it's because I'm a pensioner in it? It's not. No. Oh, sorry. I keep coming up with these things from my. No. You're doing it deliberately, well, aren't you? I wasn't. I wasn't. I just remember it. <laughs> Every Maybe. time you say that, Marker goes, oh, shit, not another one. <laughs> yeah. Shit, I should have spoken to Jonathan. It's maybe it's because I'm a pensioner. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to... So maybe gonna... it's because I'm a pensioner that I think of her wherever I go. Oh, I get a funny feeling inside of me, etc. cetera. <laughs> um, but that was it. Um, I remember singing that when I was little, but never mind. You can tell why, you can see why it didn't last, that song. Um, good, where are we? Um, uh, Shall we give a plug to Alex? Yes. I was just going to sing you one of the old songs. Oh, no, no, do it, do it, do it, Marco. <laughs> um, ah, I can't find it now, it's a really old one. I thought you'd quite like. Uh, hold on. It's it's come on, Chelsea. Well, come on, Chelsea. It's so <laughs> nice to have you back on scoring form. You're looking swell, Chelsea. We can tell, Chelsea. You're still scoring. We're still roaring. You're still, still scoring. Don't make us sad, Chelsea. Make us glad, Chelsea. We're still like your royal blue and white. So score some goals, Chelsea. Make the net full of holes, Chelsea. Chelsea, don't you ever lose a game. Hooray! Marco, that was fantastic. Unbelievable. I can't believe... I can't believe I don't have to pay for this kind of entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, though, Marco. You know the great. I mean, having joked about Jonathan coming up with all these songs that you didn't even know about. Uh, of course, that that uh, doesn't half give potential for uh, Chelsea carefree Chelsea chants and terrace culture too. <laughs> well, exactly. Yes. There you go. Yes, that uh, was. May I say that was fantastic, Marco? It was. May I say I remember it. <laughs> Bloody hell! Yes, eighteen sixty-five. That one, eighteen sixty-five. That's exactly right. Um, All right, J.K. You're going to give uh, Alex, young Alex, a plug? Nah, fuck it. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyone who approaches Stamford Bridge from the Fulham Broadway side on match day 
will at some point have heard the dulcet Scottish tones of Billy McLeod. Well, I keep going and looking for him and I can't find him. But anyway, um, urging you, I did on Sat on Sunday, I looked about nothing, urging you to part with your change in aid of wounded servicemen and women in exchange for a kiss. No, sorry, for a nifty blue and yellow wristband. Well, I, once again, I couldn't find him. Um, no super salaries and branding here. Billy is a former soldier himself, founded Veterans in Action, um, we can tell this is written by Alex, can't you? With other retired army men, because it has a flow, who had been wounded or suffered emotional distress slash mental health issues as a result of their service. The team all fundraise on the front line for their cause. The girl who likes balls, a.k.a. Alex Churchill herself, who I may say that Jason Cundy tried to, to nick the Pulis reference, checkbook Pulis, Pulis from, as if it was his own, and it was Alex's, of course, some ages ago about Mourinho, has been pounding the streets with Billy and his team before matches, and they are hugely passionate about what they do. Veterans in Action helps former service people help themselves. They carry out outreach activities and excel at organising team building and group activities, and they help them get back out into the world to feel like themselves again as part of their rehabilitation. Events of late or in planning or in planning include cycling the new forest, and a three-peak climbing challenge and an epic road trip across Europe, which, uh, uh, in fact, um, she's taking part in this. This November, Alex and two other season ticket holders from the Shed Upper are raising money for uh, VIA, Veterans in Action, by taking part in their own challenge. They'll be walking from the Dead Sea in Jordan to the ancient city of Petra in aid of their brilliant work in practically in helping veterans practically. Not only will they be missing the Scouse away game, oh my goodness, there will be no gin. Well, that's completely disastrous for uh, for Alex. And what's going to happen to her cat, the poor cat? So aside from the walking... I'm always worried about Alex's pussy. Oh, can I say something? Can I say something? You've reminded me. Um, I think we should call um, Bakayoko with his, uh, his blue rinse, Mrs. Slocum. <laughs> That was I shocking. don't know about that. I don't know about that. I thought I thought my name for Bakayoko being Bakayoko Hama is the best one. Yeah, it's good. I don't think it's as good as Mrs. Slocum because you can you can say uh, in with the pussy. You can say. Um, yeah. So anyway, if you, um, if you want yeah. to turn this into a carry on show, yes. <laughs> enough, enough. <laughs> so aside from the walking, it is a challenge indeed. They'll be going past Crusader forts, Roman tin mines, and locations from both. Indiana Jones and Lawrence of Arabia uh, and um, who else will be there? Um, who was the actor in Lawrence of Arabia? What was his name? Uh, not, not Peter O'Toole. Lawrence Olivier, wasn't it? Omar no, Sharif. Omar Sharif. Yeah, no, it was Peter O'Toole it was. And uh, I apparently did a very good impression of him on Sunday and I can't remember how I did it anyway. But anyway, um, they've had some, I think it was just terribly like the hurt. All the time. <laughs> They've had some amazingly generous contributions from friends, fellow blues, ex-servicemen and women across the globe, as well as fans of other clubs. But any more donations, however small, would be greatly appreciated to top up their fundraising efforts before they head out. And they're using virgin money giving because unlike a certain other extremely well-known platform, they don't take any of your donations for their own profit. So if you get to show your support for those in uniform, follow the link to chip in in advance in advance thank you here it is it's http colon forward slash forward slash uk dot virgin money giving dot com forward slash alexandra churchill a l e x a n d r a 
Churchill, C-H-U-R-C-H-I-L-L. Um, uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust, join the Trust, get your voice heard by the club. Five pounds to become a voting member or free for non-voting members. But why would you be a non-voting member? Uh, sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com so you can attend the meetings, come to the events, vote on the issues, directly affect you and make sure you get your voice heard. Follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. And of course, Chidge is the chairman. Hooray! He is indeed. He is indeed. Good I, my, my, it's my pleasure to serve, all I can say. Well done, you. Well done. And Dan is involved, isn't he, as well? Yes, indeed. And actually, talking of which, um, you know, we've had a lot of fan casters who were involved with the trust when it's set up. But we also, don't forget, we've got Clayton Beerman as uh, as our representative on the on the fans' forum. Uh, and I believe they've got a meeting next week. And if you if you tweet Clayton, uh, you know, he's at goalie59, like today, latest tomorrow, you might be able to get something raised in the fans' forum as well. Obviously, the trust are there as well. So there you go. Sorry, JK. No he was um, he was uh, when he was at the uh, the stall at Marco's stall. He was wearing a strange beanie. I didn't initially recognise him. I finally got, I thought, who's that? I thought, bloody hell, it's Clayton. Um, anyway, um, he was looking very um, uh, uh, different. Anyway, um, CPO. If you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in Chelsea pitch owners who own the freehold of Stamford Bridge, whose aim is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing football at Stamford Bridge. To find out how to buy a share, email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners and follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. Uh, latest issue of CFC UK is now available. And if you can't get CFC UK, CFC UK in person, you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the USA, follow Twitter account CFC UK USA. USA. And if anyone is interested in getting a CFC UK copy, contact Dan Lind- Lund- Lindberg. Dan Lundberg on Twitter at D Lundberg, L U N D B E R G underscore uh patreon uh do you want to talk about patreon chidge because you uh, no. you always no okay I'm, I'm feeling humble um, tonight okay um patreon now don't forget if you like what we do everybody this is good because it's money coming to chidge uh, you can become a chelsea for the show <laughs> a chelsea fan cast patron and help him and the show cover the costs of running two shows a week because that's what he has to do and continue to produce what we believe is a unique podcast on all things Chelsea. Not only unique, excellent podcast on all things Chelsea. So please, please feel free to donate whatever you want per show. I know there's a lot of donating going on. You've got uh, Paul Canaville and you've got Alex Churchill, but there's also the poor Chidge. Well, Chidge sitting there the with The Chidge Benevolent cold. Fund. The Chidge Benevolent Fund. He's got a bad, bad throat and he's done very well and he's, he might just keel over at the end of the show. I might. Um, I might. So whatever you want per show or per month, per month, and it keeps him in Guinness at HTTPS. This is all I keep mentioning this. www.patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Chelsea Fancast. Chidge is no. down to you He's got his emails. We can't talk about emails. Oh, no, no, we? No, no. Have, well, no pressure. N- no pressure, of course, on the Patreon. I mean, one day I'll figure the Patreon thing out properly because, uh, you know, I think the idea behind it is that, you know, clearly it's a way for people to kind of thank us for what we do. Um, 
but I think there's a way where we can give some some a little extra back to them. I mean, uh, it's that lovely bloke Graham Hunter who does podcasts and and is very knowledgeable about Spanish football. He's got a Patreon account for for his stuff, and he he kind of gives them premium content and stuff. I, I really need to get my head round it. I'm so fucking busy that I find it hard to do it all, but. If I can find a way to kind of, you know, build a little kind of Patreon Chelsea fancast community, we can maybe do some special stuff for you guys to thank you for thanking us and donating stuff to the show. Because I have actually, I mean, I'm joking, so I've spent a fucking fortune doing this damn thing for 10 years, so it'd be nice to get something out of it, but there you go. Uh, one, one other thing I should say is that the latest issue of CFC UK is no longer available because, of course, the last few copies probably sold out on the store on Saturday, didn't they, Marco? Uh, I think we've got a handful left. There we go. But there's a new one due out soon, because I, I know that the deadline for writing my article is this Friday, isn't it? Indeed, yeah. Uh, so when's the new one out? West Brom? I'll be West Brom away, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there you go. So look out for that, dear listeners. Uh, do not miss it. It's quality stuff. Because not apart from me writing nonsense, Marco writes there, Clayton, Tim Rolls, the wonderful Kelvin Barker, the legendary Walter Otten, who we are not worthy. I mean, I'd say in the CFC UK rag, you've probably got the cream of Chelsea writing talent, other than the professional journalists like uh, Liam, of course. Anyway, right, enough, enough, enough. Time to go home. Time for me to lie down and have a drip feed of night nurse. That's not as naughty as it sounds, by the way. Um, anyway, we love receiving your emails. Ha <laughs> ha, what emails? What emails? Normally, normally we love receiving your emails, but you didn't send any this week. Terrible. Anyway, we loved, we do love getting them. I mean, generally we do. Uh, and uh, we will always read them out on the show. Jonathan absolutely adores reading your emails out. Uh, so please, 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 pretty please, send them to chelseafancast.gmail.com and you need to do it before a Monday. All right? Okay. Uh, right, I'm afraid, dear people, that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, thanks uh, to yet another infernal international break. Uh, we will not actually be back next Monday. Uh, instead, we'll return on Monday, uh, the 20th of November, uh, at 7 o'clock, of course, as we always do. And I'll be joined by Jonathan, uh, and we'll have the return of Dan Silver and Clayton Beerman. And we will mainly be looking back at the West Brom match and the next crisis or casualty to befall Chelsea in the great soap opera, which is the Stamford Bridge Club. And there you go. Now, the eagle-eyed among you may have noticed that uh, our website's had a bit of a... Well, it's actually got some content on it. Who knew? Uh, and the reasons for that, of course, are the superb efforts of the wonderful Gion Carbis. And talking of talented writers, uh, he's only a young lad. He's about 18, but he knows his onions. And anybody who's heard him on the show when he came on will know that. Uh, he's a fine writer and he's doing lots of stuff, writing lots of stuff, as is the lovely A Blue Up North, who has been in Mixler tonight. Uh, John writes some great stuff too. Uh, so thank you to everybody who contributes to the website. Uh, please, everybody who listens to this show, check it out. There's some good stuff on there, as I've said. We've got regular content going up during the week, so give it a look, chelseafancast.com. Uh, and, of course, we always post it out on Twitter and Facebook, and our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Chelsea. And, of course, we're on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast. As am I, at Stanford Chid, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Marco at Gate17Marco, and Liam at Liam underscore Toomey. So there you go. That, I'm afraid, is 
your lot tonight. We still managed to do a two-hour show. Those of you who thought that we wouldn't be able to, ha-ha, the laugh is on you. Right, uh, Marco, as always, mate, great to have you uh, on the show. Been a real pleasure tonight. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. No, you're too kind. Uh, Liam, it's always an absolute privilege for us to have you on the show. Your knowledge and... uh, insight into what's going on at the mad club we all love is is much appreciated and i, and I know we all we, well I, I personally do i'm sure the others have enjoyed having you on as well so thank you mate it's always a pleasure to be here with you guys and i'll uh, hopefully be back the next time someone resigns <laughs> well, i hope you hopefully that won't be for ages but hopefully we'll get you on way before that obviously um a new schedule coming out within the next week that's what international breaks allow me to do so keep your eyes skinned liam and we'll get get you back on soon uh jonathan as always uh the uh the hinge to my bracket uh lovely to have you on the show and aiding and abetting me thank you so much Thank you. Aren't they, aren't they female impersonators, Chidge? Yes, I know, but oh. it's the first thing that came. Okay, the, the Eddie large to my Eric small, or whatever it was, I can't remember. The cannon to my ball, the, uh, the Morecambe to my wise, whatever, the, you know, take your the pick, skis, The skis to your Eddie the Eagle. It was something like that. Surreal, but possibly true. <laughs> always a pleasure to have you in the house, mate. Well done tonight. Great fun, as always, and uh, I, I'm always bemused by... Um, how Liam always makes us feel completely uh, unknowledgeable. But so uh, oh. really. <laughs> that's why Sorry. we have him on the show. That's why we have yeah, him on the great. show. It's great, right, it's great. I almost feel time great. to go. Uh, feel, last feel but my. Sorry, Jonathan. I said I feel ticked off. I feel as if I've done something and done something wrong occasionally. No, no, no. I, I, to be assured, you would. I would be the first to tell you if that had in fact been the case. Oh no, no. I, I'm just within anyway. Oh yeah. Yeah, All right. Time. Okay. Well, last shout out, of course, goes to the wonderful people who populate Mixler while we're doing the show and uh, have a great time talking to each other. I'm sorry I haven't really read any of your stuff out tonight. I've had to concentrate so much on what we've been doing, um, but uh, I do apologise. But I, I, I do appreciate you being in there. We do know that you're there and we love you very much. Right. That's enough. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.